0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's Plus Section. I'm your host, Al Moriello, and we have a bit of an eclectic Plus Section to share with you all. Today, we're going to start talking about some NBA playoffs. We're going to get into the NFL schedule release that happened last night. We're going to talk some movies, Guardians of the Galaxy 3, how that's performing. They're really making another Aliens movie. Not so sure why. Disney cutting down on its content and cutting out content altogether to save some money. We're going to get into George Santos because why not? That guy is a clown and we are going to wish Robert De Niro a happy seventh child at 79 years old. Unbelievable. So let's get right into it. It's plus time. All right, so let's start off with NBA playoffs. The second round is winding down, or we'll be wrapping up. The Heat are up 3-2 on the Knicks. They have game six in Miami. They will wrap that series up. If the Knicks, they definitely don't want to go back to Madison Square Garden for game seven. Even if they need to do that, the Heat have shown throughout the series that they can play harder, scrappier. They have the head coaching advantage. In Eric Spolstra, they have the bench advantage. They are just outworking and outmuscling the Knicks. And these are two teams that are relatively evenly matched. But I anticipate the Heat are going to win four games to two. The Lakers are up 3-2 over Golden State. Golden State won game five at home in a relatively convincing fashion. That was a pretty safe bet. They were going to put everything into that game to keep the series alive. And now it goes back to Los Angeles, and you can definitely see, much like with the Knicks series, I mean, the fact that both teams that are down 3-2 are on the road for Game 6, and they gave everything they had in their respective Game 5s to keep these series going. Golden State will bow out uh, four games to two, and the Lakers, I think, again, no, they're playing against the worst road team in the NBA, but also the best home team. So they certainly don't want to go back to San Francisco for a deciding Game 7. And last night, the Boston Celtics, down 3-2 at the Philadelphia 76ers, won that game. Now they are going back to Boston for Game 7, where they will beat the Sixers and move on to the Eastern Conference Finals. So it's looking like Boston going to be hosting the Miami Heat and the Denver Nuggets hosting the L.A. Lakers for the Eastern and Western Conference Finals, respectively. And that's because we're going to get into the Phoenix Suns now. I don't necessarily know if we want to call this a collapse since Denver was the number one seed. And I think Phoenix was, what, a four? Um, three, four, five. Don't recall. But Phoenix, game six last night at home, win or go home game. I mean, they're staying home. They lost 125 to 100 they were down 30 points at the half and this is the same type of thing that happened last year game seven at home in phoenix against the dallas mavericks they were down 30 at the half and last year they did not have kevin durant so they had to figure well we're going home for an elimination game with durant it shouldn't end the same way as it did against dallas the year before Nope. They did have some injuries that they had to work through. Chris Paul was out again due to a groin injury. You know, narratives change every day, right? Especially when you're listening to sports talk radio, a podcast, a YouTuber. When Chris Paul was out and the Suns wound up winning a game to make it 3-2, I guess they won game five, all the talk was how, you know, they're playing faster without Chris Paul. Do they need Chris Paul? He is 38 years old. Maybe this is better for the rotation and to push the issue, to push the basketball up the court, not having Chris Paul in. You know, the the, the belief was that he was slowing down the offense too much. Well, now he's out and the narrative is going to have to change. And, you know, they're going to have to retool this roster. I think they're going to have to either release Chris Paul. He's going to get older. I don't know if you want to say he's cursed or not, but man, Chris Paul playoffs when they either need him or based on the speculation the past couple days didn't need him. He's still not there for the team. And he's not going to age like cheese or wine. This isn't going to get any better. The physical ailments are only going to (laughs) increase as you get it closer to 40. I don't know what they can get for him in a trade. If they release him, they have to eat about fifteen million dollars. But maybe uh, they can put that money towards additional other role players that can help this team out because their other big player that was out, center DeAndre Ayton, had a rib contusion, which is basically an injury that was going to sideline. If this was the regular season; it would, it would sideline him for a month or a couple of weeks at the least. He couldn't play. But then again, he was getting owned by Jokic, the center for the Denver Nuggets. I think he had four points one game a couple games ago. This is a player that, uh, during the regular season, averaged 18 points and 10 rebounds a game. That's nice. He is not a max contract player, and that's exactly what the Suns gave to him last offseason because they felt backed in a corner. Because he signed a max offer sheet with the Indiana Pacers, they should let they should have let him go there. That's right now almost the the definition of NBA purgatory. This isn't the the Pacers of the '90s with Reggie Miller and Mark Jackson and company that made it to a Finals Eastern Conference Final. That it's just a team that's really not really not going anywhere. And they wouldn't have, and he was not the missing piece. So I don't know what the Pacers were thinking, bringing in a player, an eighteen and ten player, again, a nice player, a good player. But NBA owners and and prospective teams looking for free agents, they have to really, it's a game, right? They feel like they have to give this player a max contract to get him to leave his current team, even though his current team. In the Suns' case, with Aiton, could always offer him more money per year and an extra year. So if these players are going to chase the dollar, they're going to stay with their current team. But a max player is not an 18-10 and 10 player. A max player is a 26-12, and 26-13 at least player. Jokic is a max player. Joel Embiid, if we're talking centers is a max player. I'm probably forgetting maybe one or two others since I'm not as steeped in basketball as I am in football, but you can't go, go out and give all this money to slightly above average players. Like this is the equivalent of giving a max contract to Daniel Jones of the New York giants. Oops. The giants did something close to that. They gave him, what, $40 million a year? Now, granted, again, the the average annual value is not the same thing as what they can get out of if he craps the bed in the next year or two, which I don't think he will, but he's still not worth what they gave him. The NBA issue, and I wonder if teams are going to come around to this, is, yes, the big three won the Celtics a championship, what was it, the earlier mid-2000s with Garnett, Pierce, and Ray Allen. You know, when you look at the Lakers in the early 2000s and late 90s, it was really Kobe and Shaq. The Spurs had Robinson, Duncan, and a young Kawhi Leonard. I don't know if you want to call that a big three or not. But I know that has been the the want of a lot of teams. And Phoenix thought they had it with Paul getting Durant, Devin Booker, and if you want to... DeAndre Ayton is not a big anything, but... The issue is you can have a big three, but you're not going to have any depth, especially if you're going to trade for that third quote unquote big piece to round out your triumvirate. What you're giving up for him sometimes doesn't work out. And in this case, it didn't work out for Phoenix. They went up against the, the number one seed in the West, possibly the best team remaining in the playoffs or the best team overall in the NBA. I'd rather have a big two with a bench or a medium three, <laughs> big medium, with a bench. You need depth, and that's a medium three is what maybe the Knicks have right now between Jalen Brunson, RJ Barrett, um, and I'm draw- <laughs> I'm drawing a blank on on the other one that hasn't really played that well. Um, Julius Randall, sorry, I don't have it written down in my notes, and I'm talking, and some things just don't come to as quickly quickly as others. And you know, the talk in New York is you, you can't, you know, Julius Randle's a number three option. He's not a number one. Yeah, I, I get that. One, what are you going to get from in return? And whatever the return is, is is it going to be better than what you have? The Knicks need to keep building. They have a medium three. Build around them now. Fournier is making way too much money. I know he's a shooter, but Tom Thibodeau does not want to play him at all. He's got to be gone. Mitchell Robinson's a nice piece. He's offensively challenged. He just plays defense. This isn't the 90s. It's not going to matter all that much. You need scoring. You can play defense. You can play good rotational defense, and I guess you need a rim protector in some ways, but you need basically everybody on the court to be a scoring threat, and he's not that. So I'm okay with where the Knicks are at if they can kind of build, but they're a team that when R.J. Barrett comes up for his contract, are they going to give him the next level max coming off of his rookie contract? He's not a max player. He's averaging more points than DeAndre Ayton. Not as many rebounds. He does assist the basketball pretty well. But that's going to be another interesting issue. But you get a little bit more of a tax break when it comes to the luxury tax when you're signing your own player to a max deal versus signing someone off of another team. But this is Phoenix's issue. Look at the teams that are left. Look at the, the Lakers. They have a big two. Um, so it's AD, it's LeBron, and then D'Angelo Russell is like kind of your number three. Jokic is the main attraction in Denver. Boston has Jason Tatum uh, Jason Tatum, and Jalen Brown. Uh, Philadelphia, Harden. You could throw Tyrese Maxey in there, Joel Embiid. And the Heat, you know, Bam Adebayo and Jimmy Butler, and then you're getting contributions from a Duncan Robinson from an end-of-the-line Kevin Love. The, the teams that are left, no one no one has a big three except for Golden State. And Jermaine Wiggins is hurt, which is going to cost them against the Lakers. I, I don't know. I mean, maybe it's a big two at this point with Klay Thompson and Steph Curry, and then maybe Jermaine Wiggins is like a medium three and... uh Draymond Green you know, is a medium, he's not a max player, and he should probably be gone after this year, if not next year. I'm excited for the NBA Eastern Conference Finals, we'll see how it's going to roll, but again, this big three mentality, I think, I hope teams are seeing that it's not necessarily the way you need to go, because all you need is for a Chris Paul injury to happen. A DeAndre Ayton injury to happen, and then you're down to two and no bench, right? So I there is something, an idea of strength in numbers. Of course, you want quality players, but we'll see who who comes out of the East and West and how those rosters are constructed because every GM, no GM wants to really be the trailblazer of doing something different, but they'll copycat, they'll copycat the roster to high heaven. So we'll see who comes out of the East and the West. Jumping from basketball, the NFL schedule was released yesterday, a two-hour spectacle on ESPN and NFL Network. We're going to go over some big takeaways, and I'm going to dive into the Thursday night games, Monday night games, and Sunday night games just quickly to take a look at the quality of the games so far. So the number of primetime games, the Chiefs and the Cowboys lead the way with six. The Chiefs, going to be a big draw, obviously, the defending Super Bowl champs, and Dallas is a national brand, albeit a mediocre product on the field. The teams following them with four, Five primetime games. The Bills make sense. The Jets only because of Aaron Rodgers. The LA Chargers, the Las Vegas Raiders, I guess because of Jimmy. I, I, they're not that good of a team. Eagles make sense. Giants, eh. Packers because they're a national team. They're going to be hovering around 500. Minnesota is going to take a step back. And San Francisco, m- sort of a national team, but makes sense. They've been in the final four three out of the past four years. This year, Amazon did something smart. They did not give every team a Thursday night game. And again, not not everybody has Amazon Prime, so it's not like it's it's a game on NBC or ABC or ESPN. There are four teams that have no primetime game, so we do not have to suffer through this year the Indianapolis Colts, the Houston Texans, the Atlanta Falcons, or the Arizona Cardinals. At least right now, if any one of those teams gets hot, starting and they are in the playoff picture week 12 or later, those games could be flexed to NBC as a Sunday night game or new for this year. They can flex Monday night games starting in week 12. If the Texans or the Falcons are playoff worthy and they flex them into those spots, cool. They're playoff worthy. They're not a complete drag. Like these teams have been the last couple of years. They did not, the NFL did something smart. They did not flex any Thursday games. That was a big point of discussion. They've tabled it. Monday night games make a little bit more sense. Thursday night is a short week. To do that to a team, even if you give them a, a week heads up, but this year, teams can play more than one Thursday night game. And teams like the Cowboys, the Histori- the Lions, teams that are playing on Thanksgiving, we're going to play another Thursday night game that was just more of a an NFL tradition. But the pure Thursday night Amazon games, teams can play more than once. So I'm going to pull up the schedule. We're just going to kind of go through quickly, just talking about starting with the Amazon slate. So the first Amazon game starts week two. Vikings at Eagles. Eagles should win that, but pretty good game. Giants at 49ers week three, two playoff teams. Lions at Packers. Again, Packers, a national draw. Lions, a borderline playoff team. Bears at Commanders in week five, probably the worst Amazon game. Commanders are are just, well, uh, Commanders just a boring team. There's nothing about the Commanders that I want to see. And I think Amazon is hoping that Justin Fields takes the next step with that Chicago team. Week 6, Broncos at Chiefs, okay. Week 7, Jaguars at Saints. Jaguars, young and exciting team. Saints, Derek Carr should reinvigorate that offense. Week 8, Buccaneers at Bills. Bucks should be brutal, but the Bills will be exciting. That'll be a fun blowout. November 2nd, Titans at Steelers. Could be a little bit of an ugly game. November 9th, Panthers at Bears. So this could be Bryce Young against Justin Fields. Again, has the potential just to be an, an ugly type of game. Week 11, November 16th, Bengals at Ravens. Fun. Black Friday game. First time this year, or day after Thanksgiving, November 24th. Dolphins at Jets. Should be a good one. Next week, Seattle at Dallas. Pretty good. Patriots at Steelers. Two national brands. December 14th, Chargers at Raiders. Eh. December 21st, Saints at Rams. Depending on how those teams are looking, or at least the Rams, that could be a clunker. And December 28th, the last Thursday night Amazon game, Jets at Browns. Browns take a step forward. That could be a, a wild card battling type of type of game, at least for playoff positioning. So not bad. Not bad. Hopefully this is more to Al Michaels' like, liking or enjoyment um, because he did say he felt like a used car salesman trying to sell some of the bad games that he was announcing. Better slate. We'll see. Some of these teams can crap out, but at least right now looks pretty good. The Sunday night slate. So week one is... It's a Thursday night, but the Sunday night announcing team will be broadcasting it. Lions at Chiefs. So historically, the Super Bowl champ kicks off the NFL season. There was a lot of discussion on who the Chiefs would play to kick off the season. They do host the Eagles later on in the season. That would have been a nice... That's the last game that we saw last season. It could have been the first game that we saw this season. I think the NFL did the Chiefs a favor and served a win up on we'll call it a silver platter because the, the the Lions are silver and blue. The Lions are a team that could take the next step but they've been kind of teasing everybody for a while. Could be a high scoring game, but to see the Lions the opening week of the season I I don't know. I think the Chiefs will, will just blow them out. And I think it's just a nice way to hey Chiefs raise the banner, Super Bowl rings. Here's a team that you could just annihilate. Uh, There's also, so that's Thursday night, the first Sunday night game proper on NBC, Cowboys at Giants. Then we have Dolphins at Patriots, Steelers at Raiders, Chiefs at the Jets, October 1st, Cowboys at the 49ers on October 8th. Then we go Giants at Bills, Dolphins at Eagles, all pretty good so far. Bears at Chargers, anything with the Bears, Is if he just we just don't know what that offense is going to look like. Yes, Justin Fields can run. Can he throw with the with another year under his belt? DJ Moore at receiver. Who knows? Jets at Raiders, November 12th, Vikings at Broncos, Thanksgiving night, 49ers at Seahawks. I'm not looking forward to that. Seattle at night, very tough place to play. The last time that they played. At night and Thanksgiving on Thanksgiving night, it was in San Francisco and the Seahawks won that game. November twenty sixth, uh, that this is again going back to Sundays. Ravens at Chargers. December third, Chiefs at Packers. Then Eagles at Cowboys, good game. Ravens at Jaguars should be fun. December twenty third is a doubleheader. This is a Saturday, four thirty Bengals at Steelers, eight o'clock Bills at Chargers, which should be a fun one. But that is on Peacock only, so all of us are going to have to sign up for Peacock for free a couple days before and then cancel it before your free month is up. New Year's Eve, Packers at Vikings and January 7th to be determined. That's the last week of the season, and that's going to be depend on playoff positioning. They usually want a win and in scenario, so that won't be determined until week 17, the second to last week of the season. And then lastly, Monday Night Football. The first Monday night game, they want to get Aaron Rodgers on the TV for everyone to see. Bills at Jets, September 11th. There was some talk that it could be Jets at Giants, because it is a New York, September 11th game. Uh, I guess they're they're saving that for later on in the season. Now, the other thing that Monday Night Football is doing, in addition to flexing out games starting Week 12, is... There are four dates where there's going to be two games on Monday night. The first one is September 18th. Saints at Panthers at 7.15 on ESPN. Then at 8.15 on ABC, Browns at Steelers. Why they're putting these an hour apart, I guess they're saving the the East Coast audience from a game starting at like 9, 9 9.30 or 10 o'clock. But overlapping games, kind of a waste. I mean, you're kind of cutting into your ratings, right? Because people can't watch unless you have two TVs or maybe picture in picture, you can't watch both at the same time. Little weird. And they're doing it again the following week, September 25th, 7:15. Rams at Bengals. Eh, Rams are gonna be probably not that good. And then and then at 8:15 on ESPN, Eagles at Buccaneers. So that should be another blowout because the Bucks aren't gonna be very good. But again, just an hour apart. Weird. Uh when we get into October. October 2nd, Seahawks at Giants should be pretty decent. October 9th, Packers at Raiders. Probably a competitive game against two mediocre teams. Then Cowboys at Chargers. October 23rd, Niners at Vikings. October 30th, Raiders at Lions. That could be fun. Chargers at Jets are next. Broncos at Bills. Eagles at Chiefs. So there's your Super Bowl rematch on Monday night, November 20th. The 27th, Bears at the Vikings. December 4th, a fun one, Bengals at Jaguars. Two high-scoring teams And December 11th. Now we get two games that are playing at exactly the same time. At 8.15 on ABC, Packers at Giants. uh, On ESPN, Titans at Dolphins. I wonder what's going to get the better rating. December 18th, Chiefs at Patriots. December 25th, Christmas night. The Ravens at the 49ers. December 30th, New Year's Eve Eve. I guess lions at Cowboys. And there's going to be two games week 18, um, January 6th, a four 30 game, which means anybody that's working on the East coast, you might want to take a half day and an eight 15 game again to be determined based on playoff seating. So overall the schedules look pretty decent, right? Like, but you can never tell how many teams that we think are going to be good from one year to the next are actually good one year to the next. But I do like the idea of flexing out Monday night games starting at week 12. I guess they are banking on the more football is better, having four Monday nights of two games basically happening at the same time. Uh, The Thursday night package looks better on Amazon. There's a Black Friday game. The Sunday night games on NBC... Um, you got two on December 23rd. You got a New Year's Eve game. You've got a Thanksgiving night game, which is San Francisco at Seattle. Looking good for now. And the fact that you can flex both NBC and Monday night will help any clunkers happening in prime time. So on Monday, when I do the 49ers specific section of this podcast, I'm going to go through the 49ers full schedule. We're going to break down the games, the way too early record prediction. Um, But I just wanted to give an overview of the games that we have. Currently, just a reminder to anybody out there, we are less than a month away. June 6th is the cutoff for YouTube's Sunday ticket. If you want to get the package for $100 less, it would cost $349 if you sign up early, $449 if you wait. I have to remember to do that this weekend. So let's change from sports to entertainment. So Marvel's latest movie release, Guardians of the Galaxy 3, opened up this past weekend. In a silo had a good opening, when you just look at the numbers, opened to $118 million domestically, which, remember, is North America, so Canada and the United States. Here's the problem. Of the nine historical Marvel movies that opened up around this time, Guardians of the Galaxy 3's $118 million opening weekend ranks last. Nine out of nine. Last year, it was Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness that opened up in the late April, early May time frame. Made $70 million more than Guardians of the Galaxy 3. Which is surprising to me. Not that Doctor Strange is a B-list character. And it was a pretty good movie. I didn't go to see it in theaters. I waited to it got on Disney+. Plus. It was entertaining, but Guardian, the Guardians of the Galaxy feels like it just has more of a broad appeal given the fun, quirky, humorous nature of the characters. And Volume 2, which came out in 2017, so this is a six-year wait between movies, opened up to $146 million. So if you don't even adjust for inflation, that's $28 million more. When you adjust to, for inflation, it's about $50 million more. And Volume 2, I did not think was that good. And I have no idea how how good Volume 3 is. If my older son wants to see it, we'll, we'll go check it out. We're, now, there's a lot of talk out there that there's Marvel fatigue. And I don't think that's the case. When you're talking about the third movie in a trilogy, sometimes it's hard to recreate a story or a situation that's going to draw more people in than the installments that came before i always keep talking about diminishing returns when it comes to movies where more often than not the sequels make less than the movie that came before it but i think maybe with the guardians of the galaxy they they were in infinity war they were in endgame uh were they in Ragnar? they were in one of the thor movies um was it love and thunder or or ragnarok so, so there's been there's been exposure to these characters. I don't think enough that there's fatigue. And I think people still like to go see, not that it's a superhero movie, but a fun action movie, action adventure that you can take the kids to. So it's not just, it's not a couple going that are in their 20s or 30s. That could be it. They could be teenagers going to check it out. But, you know, if, if kids, you know... Seven, eight, nine, ten 10 years old up, you know, they're not going to the movies by themselves. You're getting that built-in extra plus 1 plus 2 plus 3. If the, the now the reviews weren't great. The Rotten Tomatoes I think was was under 65%. So that's not fantastic. It's more of I think a quality issue that Marvel has is being faced with in this phase, which is whether it's phase 4 or phase 5, I can't even keep track of their movie offerings. You know, conversely, a movie like Super, the Super Mario Brothers movie opened $146 million domestically, currently sits at $1.1 billion worldwide. Different than Marvel. I get it. The only, you know, one of the more recent video game movies outside of the two Sonic the Hedgehog movies that came out in the past four years, I guess. Three years. Um, And this is going to spawn, you know, a sequel. Marvel just has to get back to pumping out quality movies. And the next Spider-Man animated movie, The Spider-Verse, comes out in a month. I definitely want to check that out. The first one was fantastic. I can't imagine the Into the Spider-Verse movie making less than Guardians of the Galaxy 3 opening weekend or during its final theatrical run, total theatrical run. There's, I think, just something better, more entertaining about at least the first Spider-Man animated movie that's going to draw more kids and of course when you go animated that's going to skew younger although the first animated movie had you know some violence in it and was very fast paced that maybe some younger younger kids maybe couldn't stick with but i think that's going to do very very well at the box office now transitioning to a movie that i have no idea why they're making it or how well it's going to do in the box office apparently they're making another aliens movie i don't know why so it would be the one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, ninth installment of an aliens type movie. So you had the first one, Alien. Then you had Aliens. Um, then Alien Three. Alien Resurrection was nineteen ninety seven. Alien vs Predator was two thousand four. I dragged my wife, who I was dating with at the time, to see that. Um, I don't think she really enjoyed it. Alien vs Predator Requiem, Prometheus, which was kind of which was a prequel and and did pretty well. Alien in 2012, 2017 was Alien Covenant. And now in 2024-ish, another Alien movie is coming out. They should have taken the Predator model that the latest Predator movie came out on Hulu and it was titled Prey. And it apparently did pretty well. Or at least had strong reviews. I don't know if it would have done all that well in the box office given what the story was. I think it was more of kind of like tribal. I don't want to say Indians because I'm not trying to peg a specific ethnicity to it. But it was a predator going up against people with like bows and arrows from two, three, 400 years ago. I haven't seen it. It's on Hulu. I don't have Hulu. So if anybody that saw it says, oh, you don't know the story. You're right. I don't. I do know just kind of like the broad strokes of it. How profitable do they expect another? I don't think the world needs another Aliens movie. From Alien vs. Predator on, in 2004, so you're talking almost 20 years, I don't know how much money these movies have made, how much profit. Because if you're talking about the studio getting half the ticket receipts, but the overall production budget is, is needs to be doubled, whatever the production budget is, $70 million, $100 million, you basically have to double it for advertising, then from Alien vs. Predator on, These movies made a slim profit, if not any, even Prometheus, which made $403 million worldwide. I did see that movie in the theater. It was entertaining. I think it had a production budget of like $150 million. So that means if the studio kept $200 million from ticket sales, half, they could only spend about $40 million in advertising around the world to make $10 million profit. I I don't, I don't think that happened. And then you drop down with Alien Covenant in 2017. You go from $403 million worldwide to a $240 million worldwide take. Which means the studio saw $120 million. So if this movie cost $80 million to make, you can only spend 40 million in advertising. So again, the math, they wouldn't keep making these movies if the math didn't work out. Although there is that thing called Hollywood Accounting where they can keep writing off things or move numbers around to show that a movie actually made a loss to help out with their year-end taxes. I don't know. I, I have no, whatever this Alien movie is, I have no desire to see it. It's going to be a financial clunker, even if it um, reviews well. I think there was a time and place for Aliens movies, and it was the 80s and 90s. We don't need them anymore. It's just, it's not a money making endeavor, at least my opinion. But some of the numbers I've seen or the math that I've done with the numbers, I think backs it up. So now, sticking with entertainment, going to Disney. Disney is going to be cutting content. So that means slowing down making new content, new shows, and movies for 2024, 2025. So that will be for streaming Disney Plus and Marvel movies. Star Wars movies, the earliest the next Star Wars movie is coming out is 2025. Then you probably have a two-year wait and another two-year wait. And they're going to be locking things in the vault. Remember that? Remember, what was it, 10, 15 plus years ago or farther back when Disney would release something from the vault, whether it was 101 Dalmatians or Fantasia or Snow White, whatever it is. It sounds like they're going to be doing that again. So they're going to remove things from Disney Plus solely for the reason of no longer needing to pay residuals, royalties, music licensing fees, etc. for especially for low-viewed content or just content in general where they feel like, "Hey, we can save some money. In 2022, Disney spent $30 billion on content. And I know content is such a dry word, but it means TV, movies, streaming. 30% of that is for ESPN and ABC sports rights. You're talking $9 billion. And that runs the gamut. That's NFL. That's college football. That's NBA basketball, um, college basketball, whatever. Um, They're looking to cut. They are looking to cut costs. I think this was part, this probably was part of the plan because they had to jam up Disney Plus with all this content to get people to sign up for Disney Plus. And like anything else in life or in this economy, now we're going to still charge you the same or more consumer and we're going to take stuff away from you. Like I, the biggest example is like my the dog food that I buy for um, our dog. The brand is called Blue Buffalo. They used to be six pound bags of dog food, and depending on the the flavor or the type of meat you get—chicken, lamb, vi- um, fish, whatever, beef—the the cost can vary. But now they're giving you they're going from six pounds to five pounds and charging you. The same, if not more. So you're losing, I don't even know what that is in terms of a percentage. I'd have to quickly do the math. A certain percentage of food in the bag for the same price or more. Awesome. Gotta love inflation. Gotta love the economy. And gotta love the scumbags that do it. And we're kind of stuck because we... You know, you can't really. You could you could switch a, a dog food midstream, but you have to do it slowly. And I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to hem and haw about you know getting one pound less of food. It kind of is what it is. But just you know, pe- ways that you know folks are sticking it to us in the economy, and unfortunately for Disney, a lot of that you know more of that cost cutting, as I mentioned uh, last plus section, is people losing their jobs. What was it, seven thousand jobs they're looking to cut this year? Wildly unfortunate but they got too fat too soon. And now they realize they have to slow down there. There was a plan, but it wasn't just as premeditated and smart as we hoped it would be. If they have to cut programs and put stuff in the vault, I'm okay with that. I'm not watching every single thing on Disney And I'm sure at some point I'm going to go into and say, Hey, where was this XYZ show that I was watching and realize they took it away. Much like HBO max. They took away Westworld they took away I don't know if they took away Entourage but they started putting shows like Entourage in Silicon Valley if you haven't seen this already they're on like TNT or TBS now at night one day a week so they're selling the rights to these shows um, to make money off of you know these syndicated programs kind of smart kind of smart but a little bit more of a plan would at least save some of this content or save people's jobs which is the most important thing But going from one, you know, we'll call it a dick move to just a gigantic dick. George Santos, man, a New York senator representative, um, Republican, although this isn't this isn't a Republican versus Democrat thing. I have no political affiliation. I've said it before. I will say it again just to make it clear to people, was indicted on May 10th, two days ago, on 13 federal charges, including wire fraud, money laundering, theft of public funds and lying to Congress. I mean, this guy has a big old set of brass balls. And if you ask him, he may actually tell you that he does have them because this guy has no problem lying about anything. And I just went through, you know, read some articles, had to cross-reference some things of, of some of the things that he's lied about. Starting with his high school, he stated he went to the prestigious Horace Mann School in Brooklyn. No proof of that. He, and he essentially has a high school equivalency diploma instead, which is nothing to be ashamed of. But you don't have to lie about where he went to high school. Obviously, he didn't stop there. He just want to kept he wanted to keep lying about education, lied about going to Baruch College, lied about being the star on a volleyball team. If you if anyone's seen the picture of George Santos, maybe he's athletic. I highly doubt it. And I highly doubt volleyball, would have been the thing that you would say. Maybe bocce ball, you know. May, I could see him playing that. Then he claimed that he went to F. F-Y, uh, I'm sorry, God, NYU for a master's. All false. All false. Later, he told on uh, after he had this on his resume, and people started fact checking this. Fact checking and Republicans. It's an interesting combination. Later, told the uh, the New York Post that he didn't graduate from any institution of higher learning. Wall Street Lies said he worked at Goldman Sachs and Citigroup. Nope. Said that he personally funded an animal charity called it Friends of Pets United, that he saved more than 2,500 dogs and cats from 2013 to 2018. No. His sexuality, is he gay? He did divorce a woman in Queens in 2019 whom he was married to from 2012 to 2019. He's come out and said that he's gay. Is he? I is he just trying to get the, the gay vote for Republicans? I, I don't know. I don't care if he's gay, straight, chan, trans fluid, if he's a dendrophiliac and likes to hump trees, a necrophiliac, dead people. I don't care. But Jesus Christ, man. Th- he said that his mother died from a 9-11 attack. Not the attack itself, but cancer after the fact that he that she was in one of the towers and survived and then died from associated cancer years later. But that wasn't true because she wasn't even in the country during that time. She was in Brazil and apparently hadn't been in the United States since 1999. Religion said that he was Jewish, that his grandparents survived the Holocaust, which was debunked by multiple outlets that he's not Jewish or even Ukrainian. And then lastly, which is just funny why you would want to, I mean, all these are bad. All these are bad. There's varieties of bad, whether it's education, ethnicity, sexuality, helping animals, Wall Street. Lied about being a Broadway producer, that he was a producer on Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark in the early 2010s. Now, one, blatantly not true. Was not a Broadway producer. But the fact that he wanted to associate himself with a production that lost millions of dollars was a complete flop. And resulted in multiple injuries to people in the play. I think actually maybe someone, one person might have died. I hope that's not true. I hope I'm misremembering. But what? Now, this has just become such a problem. You know, we're used to politicians lying to us. It's almost It almost goes with the territory. You expect a porn star to hump like crazy. You expect... A politician to lie to you, but it's gotten so much more brazen the past couple years. Where now they're shaking your hand with one hand, and then it's not even that they're stabbing you in the back with the other. They're to quote one of my favorite comedies, Clerks from 1994, Kevin Smith's uh, writing and directorial debut, Jersey Boy. You know, what are they doing for an encore? Anally raping my mother while pouring you know sugar in my gas tank. And that's what they're doing, and they're flipping you off as they walk away from your car, zipping up your pants while your mother's on the ground, a a sobbing mess. And when did this kind of happen? Again, no political affiliation, but don't you think, don't you feel, if you had to put it together, that the lying, that the in-your-face, not-giving-a-shit lying, giving you the finger while fingering themselves in their asshole started about 6 years ago or 7 or 8 years ago when Donald Trump was running for president and throughout his presidency don't you feel like especially republicans are just just don't care and you and what you get is someone like George Santos who you can li- I mean unless someone's going to fact check you and and republicans democrats independents everybody lies during a debate and that's why there's fact checkers but republican I'm sorry not politicians. This isn't a Republican or Democrat thing. Politicians are hoping that what if they say X, Y, Z to you that you remember X, Y, Z, not the fact that X is true, but Y and Z are false. And CNN or Fox News or Associated Press or whoever fact-checked it and proved that you did not go to high school George Santos where you said you did, or college, or your sexuality, or your mother died, you know, in a nine eleven attack. They're just going to hear that, oh, he he's Jewish and he's gay, and, and I can relate to that. And, and they they cast their ballot already. He's a senator. It's not going to matter. Hopefully he gets thrown out or whatever the correct word is for that. But in the moment, they don't care. He didn't care. There's a lot of politicians, Republican, Democrat, Independent, Grassroots, whatever, that's not going to care because the lie doesn't matter If you're not going to nail them on the lie in real time. And it's just not going to happen. Because people are going to get in their echo chambers with whatever political party they're affiliated with. And believe what they want to believe. And and look at the facts or the fact checkers and say, ah, you just have an agenda. I don't believe you. You just have an agenda. And it's such a shame. I hope he's prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law. I don't know if he's going to end up in jail or, or whatever. But he needs... To be out, and now Republicans are distancing distancing himself from him because of these federal charges. Before, I guess they weren't thrilled with him, but eh, he's just doing what we all do, but just more blatant about it. Now it's a problem. Now you're going to see all these altruistic politicians coming out condemning him. Why? Because he got caught or is on the verge of getting caught. What a joke. And last but not least, to wrap up the podcast, I want to congratulate Robert De Niro having his seventh child at 79 years old. It's unclear who the mother is. But what is clear, this was a plant your seed inside me, Robert, and give me some money type of a situation. And because, you know, obviously I think men, or going to go back to high school health class, are men are good to have children until they die or at least close to it, unless you have some sort of an issue. But women only have a certain amount of time during their, their fertile years to actually conceive a child. So, so this woman's got to be like 45 or less right years old, you would think. So to have like an, you know, if you're the woman, like it's, to have like an 80 year old under you on top of you, like, I hope she kept the lights off, like, or, or put a blindfold on or like, come on. Like, of course she slept with him for the money. Like no one's going like, Oh yeah, I I want a piece of that 80 year old. Like even Sophia Loren, who was gorgeous her whole life. Like, I don't think anyone's having any sort of like guys having any sort of like masturbatory fantasies to an 80 year old. Sophia. I don't even know if she lived to 80 years old. I I don't know. Raquel Welsh. I don't know, but man, you know, it, it, you know, women will bang fame. Not all women. I, of course, not all women, but man, yeah, I'll, you know, there's a lot out there with like, I'll, I'll carry a baby for nine months and push one out and have, you know, putrid sex with you 80 years old. If you're going to, you know, give me some money, but don't mean to get off a of soapbox. Let's go back to the congratulations, Robert De Niro, seven child, not going to catch, uh, Nick Cannon. Um, or if he does, he's, you know, just got to get moving a little faster, maybe a little Advil for the arthritis, more viagra blue pills more women that are just willing to shag a bag of bones and then we'll see you know could he break double digits not out of the realm of possibility not out of the realm of possibility but just want to thank you for listening to the plus section this week we're coming in at a uh just about 47 minutes want to thank you for listening if you listen on monday or tuesday to the 49er section as well want to thank you for that also enjoy nba playoffs nhl playoffs Major League Baseball. If anyone's out there dissecting the football, the NFL schedule, enjoy that as well. I think the US, the XFL championship game is this weekend. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not gonna be watching it. USFL still going on, so still a lot going on in the world of sports. We hope you have a happy, healthy, and safe next couple days and weekend, and we will talk early next week. Take care.